Good morning. Over the last three weeks, we have been tackling together the subject of learning to listen. And I hope you've been enjoying it as much as I have been. We have tried to present scripture and our collective learning in a conversational format. And I loved hearing Paul chatting with his brother Drew a couple of weeks ago. And then last week we had Mike Bennett, Kiara, Daniel and Max uh, getting into uh, their discussion. And I found it really informative and interesting and I hope you did too. So this week it's my pleasure to welcome Ellen Wiggins uh, to the conversation. Uh, and today we're building it around the key question, how can I be really sure that it's God speaking to me? Many of you know Ellen from her time working with us as one of our administrators here. And this time, about this time last year, uh, she uh, left us to study at Regent College and to get ready to welcome a baby into the family. So exciting times for uh, Tom and Ellen. So Ellen, uh, as we get this conversation going tonight, can you think of a time perhaps when you felt that God was speaking to you and how did that go and how did you know that that was God speaking to you? Mm -hmm. Yeah, that sounds like a really tricky question, <laughs> but I have had some time to give it some thought and I think especially processing from the conversations in previous weeks, that's really helped me. Um, I think people do really hear from God in different ways. And I think for me personally, I think one of the ways that I feel that I hear from God is actually, it kind of begins with a gut feeling. Mm -hmm. um, so it's not really something that we've talked about, but I think there's one similarity that always seems to crop up between all of the conversations that have been had. And that is knowing God and sort of having that relationship with God and being in community to be able to help to discern that it's God's voice. And mm -hmm. um, so when I was thinking it through, I, I thought of two examples, one of more of a big thing and one of more of a small thing, but with similar uh, like processes within it. So the, the bigger example was uh, me and my husband moving to Canada. Mm -hmm. um, so I first visited Vancouver around 10 years ago and I just instantly fell in love with the city and just had this gut feeling of wanting to come back. And it was actually where I first kind of became a Christian. And it was always a niggling thing in my mind of, I don't think it's just me that wants to come back because of the mountains and the beaches and all of that. It was more of a, a sense of thinking, actually, I think God wants me to go. And the way that I processed that was through prayer and through just reading the Bible, getting to know God over the years and just starting to be able to recognise what his desires for us are. Mm -hmm. And I think at no point did it come up that it wasn't God's desire for me to come here and then meeting Tom and having these conversations with him and his desire kind of moved to wanting to come here as well um, and the way that we kind of approached it was to pray God like this is what we feel you're drawing us to if it's wrong stop it 
mm -hmm. <laughs> in some way to put a barrier up. Um, and that never happened. So at every stage, doors just seemed to open and things happened where things fell into place and we arrived here. Um, so that kind of is the key thing for me. And I remember a friend early on was saying that quite often as Christians, we, we like to really overthink things and spend a long time praying about them to the point where we forget to act on it. And that always kind of resonated with me and I remembered it thinking, I don't want to be in that position where I'm waiting to hear God speak when actually I already know God and his character and the person of God, so to trust and just do something. Um, so then that kind of links in with the smaller example as well. Um, when we first started coming to Granville Chapel, um, I just absolutely resonated with all of the teaching on neighbouring and just really felt it just, again, it was a gut feeling where it was just like, this feels right just to be in your neighbourhood and amongst community and reaching out. And so Tom and I got involved um, with the help of Barry and Joan to put on an ice cream social for our neighbours. And it was just an awesome experience that just felt, looking back on it, that God really orchestrated it. And you could see where God was moving in it. But at the time it was just like relying on that gut feeling. Mm -hmm. So I think the key thing that I've kind of pulled out of that is, it's the discernment that is important because you could just think of a gut feeling and think, well, that's just a knee jerk reaction to something. Or maybe like, low blood sugars made me think, oh, this is what I need to do. And so you need to be able to discern whether it's God or something else. And that's where community and just knowing God really come in. Yeah. Ellen, thank you. That's, that's really helpful. I mean, I think we are all individuals, right? But these uh, themes that you bring out, the, the need to discern mm -hmm. uh, and the need to be uh, in relationship with God are really key to this whole issue of, of, of learning to listen. And mm -hmm. because he's our heavenly father, uh, and we know uh, from these uh, previous sessions as we've kind of tried to establish a few things, that he is a God who speaks mm -hmm. uh, and that he loves to speak. I mean, he spoke the world into being, uh, he, uh, he sent his son, the living word, Jesus, to, uh, to, to our, our world to reveal himself mm -hmm. fully. And, uh, and then he's also given us the book, right? The, the Bible yeah. uh, as our uh, guide uh, and as a place where we can hear him speaking to us. Mm -hmm. But we still have to do the hard work uh, of kind of figuring out what he is wanting for us and, and uh, learning to to discern, uh, as you say, what it is he, he's after. Mm -hmm. And uh, it's actually reading the book, I think, that uh, gets us into some of the complexities of this. And, and that's actually what we're going to be talking a bit about this morning, mm -hmm. uh, as we look at some of these stories uh, that, uh, that there are, that, that show us that there are confusing angles on this, right? So, mm. yeah. Yeah, yeah, so I totally agree with that. It makes sense. Um, that something I wonder always is some of the stories in the Bible are just so difficult to actually get our heads around and to, to know whether it is still relevant today. Mm -hmm. um, so are there, how do we make sense of some of the stories that are just, they seem tricky? 
Yeah, well, I mean, actually, the, the, the story we've had read uh, earlier this morning uh, from 1 Kings uh, 22 is, is, a, is a classic one of these stories, right? It's, it's not an easy story, but that's actually, uh, I think, a good challenge for us to, to try to think about it and to think about the world as it was back then. And uh, you have to understand a few things about the context uh, of, of that time, right? There was no Bible as such. Uh, things hadn't been written down. Uh, it was very early on uh, in the life of Israel. It was in the, the life of the two kingdoms there. And um, it, the story that we, we had read uh, involves two kings. Uh, so one is Ahab uh, and the other is Jehoshaphat. I mean, great name, Jehoshaphat. Mm. Uh, and uh, so these two kings, Ahab has this idea in mind that, uh, that he wants to retake uh, a city uh, that has been stolen from him by the king of Aram. And his idea is to draw Jehoshaphat uh, in with his army so that he's got double the, the fighting strength to tackle the king of Aram. And all well and good. Uh, so he says, come on, let's do it. And Ahab is a bad king, right? I mean, he, he, there, there's nothing that, that, that we learn good about Ahab. I mean, he's bad, he, he's, he's against God, uh, he doesn't want to follow what God has said. Uh, and so uh, Ahab is just fine for going, going for this. But Jehoshaphat is a little bit more cautious and perhaps a little bit wiser. And so Jehoshaphat says, uh, has uh, anyone actually inquired of the Lord? I mean, you know, it's a good question, right? You know, well, maybe God's got an angle on this. And so as a result, uh, it's Ahab who, who then uh, calls on the prophets, right? And so, you know, in this time, if you wanted to know what God said, you would go to the prophets because the prophets were the kind of the professionals uh, of, of listening to God. And they would come and listen to God for you. And then they would tell you what God was saying. And then hopefully you could act on it. So anyway, Ahab says, oh, cool. Well, we've got 400 prophets over here. Uh, let's ask them. And so all of these prophets come back and they say, you know what? It's a slam dunk. Go there. God will give you victory. Fantastic. It's going to be brilliant. And Jehoshaphat kind of hears this bunch and goes, this doesn't smell right to me. Isn't there even one real prophet of the Lord that we could go to? And, uh, and then Ahab, I mean, he's a character, Ahab. I mean, he's, he's a bad lad, but uh, he's a real character. He goes, there is one, but he hates me. Uh, he never gets a good word from God for me. It's always bad news with him. But, uh, but anyway, they, they call on, on Micaiah, his name is, and, uh, and Micaiah uh, is, is told, look, there's 400 prophets. They've all said this is a go. So you might just want to give it a go and, and say, yeah, go for it, right? So he comes in to see these two kings, and it's a kind of hilarious scene, right? And, uh, and uh, the two kings go, well, Micaiah, what's God say? And he says, that's nah, great. Go for it. You'll be fine. You know, absolute slam dunk. And, uh, and, and then Ahab got... He thinks, this doesn't smell right. My kind never, never, never says good things to, uh, for me. So he goes, how many times do I have to tell you? You can only tell what God has, has told you to say. And then Micaiah says, well, actually, uh, I just saw all the, the troops running. Right? I mean, it's, uh, it's the end of the line. And 
it, it's, a, it's a really interesting story, right? Because you've got this, this question of how do you discern what God is saying when other people are speaking and claiming to be the voice of God? And um, I think the point I would really make from this story, which, is, which goes on, it gets even weirder. Uh, if, you, if you want to uh, carry on reading in, in, uh, in 1 Kings 22, the, the, the back end of the story is really quite bizarre, right? There's kind of spiritual happenings and, and all kinds of things. But the, the bottom line of the story is, is, is kind of sad, right? Because although Micaiah uh, has, has come up with a really negative prophecy saying, don't go, uh, the two kings, bolstered by the 400 prophets, go, oh, we're going to go anyway. And they both go, and actually they both get killed. I mean, so it's really a kind of sober and somber story at, the, at that level because uh, Micaiah was right, the 400 were wrong, uh, and uh, prophecy is, is a kind of, it kind of makes you think like, ooh, uh, yeah, we've got to be careful around prophecy. It, it, it can get us into trouble uh, if, we're not, if we're not discerning, I would say. Mm. So, yeah. yeah. So would you say then that we should avoid tangling with prophecy because it can be so dangerous. Well, I mean, that, that would be one approach, but, but I, I don't think that that's it, right? I, I, that, that's not what I'm saying. I'm saying that, that prophecy, when God speaks through someone, needs to be carefully discerned. And, uh, and, and I think that is, that is our job, uh, and, and perhaps, you know, as the church, it, it's our job, because it's a serious business uh, claiming that God is saying something. And we, we just need to be doubly cautious, I think, around, around prophecy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so here and now, we are a long way removed from the realities of this story with the ancient kings who are seeking a word from the Lord. Um, so was it still relevant in New Testament times? And is it still important or relevant today? Mm-hmm. Well, I, th- I think that's you know I, I, I think that's that's really a good question, and I would say, yes, it was still relevant in New Testament times, right? I mean, the the fact is we do live in a very different age. You know, we're not in ancient Israel, uh, and, and we do have the book, right, the Bible that uh, that, that that gives us a uh, a more comprehensive understanding of what God is about, His mission, uh, the coming of Jesus. We have all that. And we're on the other side of Jesus' life, death, and resurrection. And so we're into this place where the Spirit of God has been poured out on the church. And uh, we are now a people being led by the Spirit uh, and, and guided by the Word. So we, we've got a lot of things going for us that those kings didn't have. And you might say, uh, and, and I think there are probably people out there that do, that say, well, then we don't have any need for the prophetic. But the, the trouble with that thought is that the, the prophetic was clearly a key part of the life of the early church as it's recorded in Acts. Mm-hmm. And uh, one, of the, one of the chapters I love is uh, the, the story in Acts chapter 13, where you've got uh, a, a little, well, you'd, you'd have an explosion uh, of the church there uh, in Antioch. And Barnabas and Saul, who was later known as Paul, uh, were there leading that group. And in Acts 13, it tells us that there were prophets and teachers who were leading that church. 
And they got together and uh, they're worshipping and they're fasting. And so they're clearly waiting on God, saying, God, lead us. What are we supposed to do now? And then it says, and the Holy Spirit told them, set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work that I called them to. And uh, the question there is, how did the Holy Spirit say that? And I think the answer is actually pretty clear. I mean, he spoke through one of the prophets, right? So it was one of the prophets who heard that, felt like, oh, oh, that's what, that's what God's saying, and laid it on the group. And so then the group then had a job like, well, is this, is this really what God is saying? Uh, and I think there was a unity about that. They discerned it together. And they said, no, that really is what God is saying. We all get the sense, right? Yeah, that's, that, that, that's a word from the Lord. So they, what did they do? They laid hands on Barnabas and Saul, and they commissioned them, basically, to what God was calling them to do. And actually, the interesting thing is that out of that came the first missionary journey, a major, major expansion of the, of the church, and it was all because of a prophetic word. And so... So what we see in, in, the, in the New Testament is that this community was grounded uh, in the, the reality of knowing God and knowing the Spirit of God and responsive to it and looking to hear what God was saying. And it's a very captivating uh, picture, I think, of, of a community in touch with God, knowing Him enough, loving Him enough to be able to discern together what he was saying and then to act in obedience. And I think that's the, that's the point, really. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So is there always an element of risk in prophecy? Yeah, I think so. Uh, but, but just because there's an element of risk doesn't mean that uh, it's not something that God uses, right? Uh, we, we get another, we, the second reading we had today was from uh, 1 Corinthians 14. And, and there, the Apostle Paul, the, the Saul that we've just had mentioned, uh, he says that, uh, he encourages the, the Corinthian Christians to eagerly desire uh, the, the, the spiritual gifts, but particularly, he says, the gift of prophecy. And why would he say that? I mean, I think he would say that because he, because he understood that a church community that have, has people with the gift of prophecy is a church community that is going to be responsive to the leading of the Spirit so that it can go where, where the Spirit wants it to go. And, um, and, and I think he puts a little kind of control in for us in, uh, in that uh, piece in, in 1 Corinthians 14, where he says that uh, prophets who, who speak to the church uh, speak to, to people for their strengthening, encouragement, and comfort. And I, I, so I think one of the, the hallmarks, if you like, of New Testament prophecy is that if we, if we hear somebody say, this is God's word, or this is what God is saying to us, mm -hmm. then the, the kind of response that we're going to feel is, is that it's going to build us up, it's going to strengthen us, it's going to make us know God more. And, and that's a key hallmark of, of, of what it's going to look like. 
So I, th 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 that is actually my hope, that, that, that we would understand that prophecy uh, has a role in the life of the church, mm -hmm. but they, it's always incumbent on the church to discern it. So I know that in our church context, we haven't had a lot of what I would call prophetic utterance. And, and I know some people have been burned uh, by people claiming to speak for God. And, 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 and I'm not saying there aren't people out there who claim to speak for God or who get it wrong. But what I am saying here is that it is an authentic gift uh, in the New Testament and if we read the book carefully, <laughs> that's where we find it. And it's out of reading the book that we get to this reality. And I would say that there are ways that we can learn to listen to each other as God is speaking to us uh, around this gift of prophecy. So, for example, if somebody stands up and says, God says, and then says a, a sentence or a phrase, then we only have really two options, right? We, we could say, okay, God says it, that's it. Or he doesn't. But, but what if somebody stood up and, 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 and says gently and humbly, I have a sense or I'm feeling like God may be saying this. Well, what that does is lead with a, a degree of humility that, that leaves room for options, right? Maybe, maybe the person hasn't heard from God very clearly. Maybe they're wrong. Maybe they're just needing to try this out and uh, to have the courage to speak out what they sense God is saying to them. Well, if they, if they come in on that sort of soft approach, we as the community can hear that and then say, well, Let's, let's think about that. You know, does, what does that word do to us as the community that receives it? Uh, does it strengthen us, uh, build us up, comfort us, challenge us maybe? Uh, yes, it does. Is it in line with scripture as we understand it? Yes, it is. So maybe that is what God is saying to us. So, Lord, we receive that word uh, from you and we'll will kind of push forward with it as if that is what you are saying to us. Now, it's bounded by scripture, uh, but it is, there's an immediacy about it. And for me, I think it's about the community groups where we gather, where we have some intimacy, where we know each other, where we study together. And what if there was a moment when we gathered as a group, maybe online, uh, and just said, okay, Lord, we wanna worship you uh, right now. Uh, if you've got a word for us, please give it to us. Uh, we'll receive it from you and we'll discern it and try to get a sense of, of, of what that means. And if we were to do that, uh, I think we might find ourselves being encouraged and uh, really challenged perhaps to move out in the directions that God has for us, the, the mission that he wants to lay on us as a community group perhaps. Uh, and, and I think that uh, we might, might discover that there's, there's more uh, that God has for us than we've yet seen. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, I, 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 we're talking about prophecy and, and the risks of prophecy. Yes, there is risk in prophecy, absolutely. And, uh, but, 
But the risks are God risks, right? I mean, and, and I don't think you can live a life of faith without some degree of risk. And, and I would love us as a community to be pushing out, learning to listen uh, in this kind of way. And maybe God will raise up people amongst us uh, with a prophetic gift uh, who can help us, just, uh, all of us, uh, and to, to, to really hear God well. That would be my hope. Mm. Yeah. Ellen, thank you for uh, partnering in this conversation. And uh, hopefully this is going to help us as a community learn to listen uh, to what the Lord has for us better. Mm -hmm. Thanks.